Hello guys, welcome to welcome to another episode of season of Underbanazin podcast. Again, it's another transfer. Well, our moderator is not around for the moment, and there is our man who cooked last week, Bullish, also for the moment. But I have Bright with me. Bright, it's good to be here once again. Uh, good evening, guys. Good evening, Clay. It's good to be back on the show. The transfer segment of the show is always a very interesting and intriguing one where we get to uh, band, talk, learn, and listen about everything that is happening in the transfer window. And as always, there has been very interesting things to talk about. I, I know you have a very, uh, very intriguing list to walk us through. Yeah, and frankly, I will try not to make this episode. Or I will try not to make this episode quite that long. It might be impossible because, frankly, that one topic and it can take us, and that is for the topic everyone seems to know: Mbappe, PSG, Al Hilal, Real Madrid. So now, like this saga has been going on since the last season. Like at some points. In 2022, we were like, oh yes, is surely going to Real Madrid last season. Then he said, no, signed a two-year contract with PSG. Oh, he's probably going to stay to the end of the year. Now, it's the end of that deal. Now, it's like, oh yes, PSG wants to get rid of him now. The owner wants to get rid of him now. And suddenly, we were like, okay, Real Madrid. It may be even Man City. Okay, that's as such as maybe my... Then, Saudi and Alila came. 700 million a year. I could give him the opportunity to play for one year and then go to Real Madrid. Like... Hello. Hello, we can hear you, Bolish. Hello, hello, Bolish, no, no, that's your bad name. Well, Bolish has joined you now, so, but I'll still stick with Bright for you, man. Like, as we, I was, I was saying, we're like, oh yes, maybe Manchester are joining, maybe Real Madrid, and then suddenly. Alila came in seven hundred million a year for from Bappe and then like a gateway for Real Madrid. Like how ridiculous does it sound? Like even the amount of money itself. I, let's let's. I, I think I will leave. I will leave the amount of money for Bolish to handle that because I, I know it's going to be more personal. So I, I think I will leave the the details of the transactions, the wages, the proposed wages, the proposed transfer fee, and all of that to Bolish because I trust he will be more passionate about that. But I will go into this my word. Sorry, you don't think don't. I'm like this. Is the first the first thing I'm hearing is passionate. My I was not I could not hear the audio before that I joined is my my phone. <laughs> So we're, we're talking about the whole Mbappe saga, and I said I will leave the I will leave the uh, the statistics and the figures to you because I know you'll be more passionate about the figures. So I will just stick to the schematics and to the whole process. Is the fact that that the way transfers used to be run is no longer what it looks like now. Um, Mbappe is on is left on a one year deal, and they were there were whispers that he had signed a contract with Madrid in advance such that when his contract expires, he would, he would join them on a free. 
Now, all of a sudden, we are beginning to hear that Al Ali is proposing a deal whereby he would join them for a year. And even though they would have to pay by cutting off one of their legs or putting one of their legs to just make sure that they comes into fruition. Like, I, I, I just don't seem to understand all of this. Like, is it like there's no longer transfer rules? Is it like there are no longer rules to these things and everybody can just start flunking it? Because if that is going to be the case, I, I think the whole transfer market is going to get bizarre. And I'm beginning to see why leagues like the NFL and the NBA have very complicated and structural ways of transfer or trades, the way they call it over there. Because this seems very, very ridiculous that, okay, you will come to us and earn 700 million per year. And when that year is done, you would now go. So what happens to the contract? What happens to the pre-contract that you are signed? Like, what is the old schematics to all of this? It's becoming, it, I, I think transfers, when it comes to Saudi, I was never opposed to where they were exploring cash. Because I felt like the cash cannot really buy the attention they want for the league, though they are moving in some right directions. But it's beginning to distort every form of logic that we understand. So I, I think I'll just allow Bullish to go on on the figures and how he thinks he's looking for an athletic woman that he would start his own project in Bappe with. <laughs> so, 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 me. The angle I'm going to, the angle me I'm looking at this whole bizarreness from is that number one, I don't care about PSG like that, so I don't really, I don't really, I'm not sorry for them that they are the ones going through this saga, because time and time again they've been the bane in the neck of Barcelona. You know, <laughs> they, they've been the one that to come and start. You know, they 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 took our our Neymar, the page. That was people used to laugh at Barcelona that ah, Barcelona would just be putting release clause of 400, 500. The reason why they started putting release clause of 400, 500 is after that Neymar transfer. Where because they put the 222 with the mindset that ah, ah, nobody will pay it. That was the idea that nobody will pay 222. Then PSG paid it. And then they were and then they fell flat because Neymar Neymar's was part of their plan for the future. And I think you could see immediately Neymar left. The way this kind of business they did, they didn't have any other plan in place. They didn't have a succession plan, and you could show in the kind of transfer they did afterwards. So PSG has been a, a, a thorn in my flesh. So I'm 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 okay with them facing this Mbappe problem. Now to the figures, the report I'm seeing there are conflicting reports. One is saying 700 million, one is saying 200 million. So I saw something from Fabrizio that said the amount to actually be 200 million. Then the rest will be image rights that will get it up to 700 million. And the conversation is around come for one year. Now, you say, why would they spend that kind of money on one player for one year? There are two things involved. Number one, Mbappe is if you don't can't have Messi, if you remember the what they were offering Messi, they literally went as much as. Guy, let's give you 500, 700. They were increasing it, trying to see if they could tempt Messi. But Messi, you know, his family and everything, it just felt like MLS was better for him. But if you go back to before it was official that Messi was staying, was going to the MLS, go and look at the figures they were offering Messi. It was crazy too. It was like 500, 700 per year for salary. So the idea is bringing Mbappe for one year is 
trying to tell even the next best young guys that see you, Mbappe to Kemo, we are paying you, and even the stars are coming to our league. I think that's just all it's about. They are not looking at the idea, of, they are not just looking at it as a, oh, you are just getting one player to go and play 40 games in a year and that's all. No, that's not how they are looking at it. They are looking at the ripple effect of having someone like Mbappe come to their league. Mbappe has his own fans that will come and watch that will, that will turn their attention to their league. Mbappe will do things in their league that will go online. See what Messi first game, 90 minutes on the dot to win the game, freaky goal, about, about 300 or millions of views on, on Twitter, Instagram, everything about MLS. How many, apart from, I'm trying to remember the things that have happened in MLS that we can remember like that. I think that's Zlatan's opening goal also, that crazy goal. And then that Rooney uh, run to gain possession and then score. Those are two things. And, and those things, those two were like how many years ago? So those are the kind of things that Saudi is probably looking to tap into, see if they can ask, get someone like Mbappe coming, score crazy fantastic goals, then get the ripple effect that even though he lives in one year, they will still benefit from him spending that money. So I think that's how they're looking at it. And even with their negotiation with the golf players and with the how they infiltrated golf, their money, that PIF is unlimited money. You know, there's money that you say, ah, this one will soon finish. So, so, there are some money like that. But this money that these Saudi people have, forget it, is not only, it's not a cap. It's not, this one is, how much do you need? Oh, yeah, take. Like, it's unlimited money. That money. And I would be surprised if eventually Mbappe is like, because what Mbappe is threatening now, what Mbappe is saying now, because PSG is saying they will not play him. They will not play him at all if he doesn't sign a contract session or leave. So they do, because they don't want to lose him for nothing next year. So the options for Mbappe now is that either takes this money to go and play in Saudi or he doesn't play this coming uh, summer or Madrid comes and pays something also like 200, 250 million to get him. So those are the three options. So PSG has drawn the line that if you want to still play for us this coming season, you, know, you have to sign an extension. If you're not going to sign an extension, you are going to sit out or you go and play somewhere else. And I think PSG PSG is the time, can, if it's on that team, I'll probably say, okay, maybe they might cave in. But the way PSG has handled transfers and the way PSG does business, PSG is kind of team that if they say, Mbappe, we are going to sit on the bench crowd you of next season. If you don't sign a session, I believe them. But Bolish, Bolish, you do know, you do know legally, PSG has no right not to pay him for Jermaine of that one year. So, they are they are not, not way to they did not say they are not going to pay him. He will not play. So they are not, not saying. I, 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 don't, I, I don't necessarily think. Well, well I, I see two options for Mbappe here because I would not lie to you. With the deal that um, Saudi has brought on the table, is a win-win for everybody. And, it's and sure you get. It's a win-win for everybody. But depending on Mbappe and his team, experience, his management, and all of that. He can he can decide that okay he can talk to to Madrid and say you know what you guys just sign me now 
probably match that 200 or drop 150 and let me come now. Or he will decide not to play for the whole year. He can go to another training camp. It's something that crazy players, MJ, MJ took a whole year off to go and play baseball. Like, it's something he can, go, he can do, actually, and he will come back the whole year. And in that particular case, I think if PSG does not play their card well, though the money is also not significant to them, but they would lose on 200 million that they can use to sign reasonable young stars and go on whatever new project it is they want to go on. That is the way I see it. Because I feel like in this particular case, there has been instances of ex-players, um, agents, saying that PSG don't act professionally with their players, that they strong-arm their players to sign contracts. There was a talk about Barca wanted to sign Verratti, but they bullied his agent into not signing with, with Barca. There's been a lot of talks like that. So I feel like even though you are flushed with cash, there is still a will in which PSG might be on the receiving end of all of this deal. That's just the way I see it. See, I will have agreed with you, but this thing is not new, and they still, and they still, uh, what's it called? And they still get some stars. Money, see, except we want to deceive ourselves. Money is the cocoa. Money does and answers, and you know, like money is the is the one that does everything. So all this, I'll have agreed with you, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to the money, money of Saudi Arabia. Is I think before I even get to that, yeah, I got to that extent, like, okay, Mbappe. The question is, do you accept this potential deal? Because you can go to Saudi for a year, collect 700M, then basically walk to Real Madrid for free. Like, it seems tempting. Like even even I'm not a, even I'm not a footballer. If I see that, like, no matter I don't depend. I don't I don't care the kind of position I played. I'm collecting it. It's seven hundred. Yeah, but I I think I for me, if I was Mbappe, it would be inched on just one thing. What is Madrid's stand on all of this? Because he has exp, he has he has made it expressly clear in the past that he wants to play for Madrid. So it now depends on Madrid's stand on all of this. Okay. Perez, can I go to Saudi for one year and when we are done, my pre-contract would still be valid? If Perez said, you know what, we can wait extra year. We have crop of young midfielders that we are we are not we are nurturing them for your upcoming. So for me, if 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 it's okay with Madrid, why not? Just go to Saudi, chill, buy private jets, buy like four private jets within that one year, chill, play nonsense, score 40 something goals. So we can even now start spinning a narrative that you know what, um, Mbappe has scored twice the goal that uh, Alland has scored. Then when he goes back to Madrid, we can now continue the narrative that we've been trying to spin for very long. We need a new Messi Ronaldo uh, kind of though is getting boring at this point. So I, I feel like it's his stance depends on because the end goal for him is Real Madrid. So. The little cash that they want to go and explore on him there is just a side attraction. So I feel if if Real Madrid is open to the deal, why not just take a spin for one year and enjoy yourself? Yeah, honestly, I feel like Real Madrid will be open to it because if you check the signings they made in attack so far, basically it's just a look from like it feels like they're just waiting for let's do the short term one and then next next year focus on Mbappe. So I don't think they will be like. 
against this, especially since if this happens, they don't have to deal with negotiating with PSG, which yeah. is another benefit because you cannot yeah. bully I, PSG I, I with think, money. I think Madrid like, is also avoiding that negotiation with PSG because PSG has been looking to strongarm them. You know, there's there's been a little bit of drama in this transfer, so that would also be like a easy lubricant on Madrid's ends. They'll be like, you know what? It is easier to just collect this guy on the free than start dragging matter with these guys. But in the same vein, they have they have an agreement already that they will wait an extra year. So I feel it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, it could be, and it's definitely going to be one that interests. Yeah. So um, bullish um on the issue of the unlimited money and all. We've seen what Saudi League has been doing this summer. Either if they don't buy you don't bring your manager and all. And they've been like complaints from European leagues and Premier League particular like, oh, Saudi is starting to buy it's trying to buy football or whatever. That's the only football. Which I which honestly myself I found funny because it's Premier League itself that started this whole um, highest highest bidder. Like football is for the highest bidder. Now they're complaining like, that the league is outbeating the outbeating the so in, me, I don't. That's why me. I, you see all these things. I like the fact that my club at the moment at Lou. So at the twenty, at the forty, at the forty, you think of buyers. You just think of personal buyers. At the twenty, at the ten, at the forty, we no get cancel away with the like. My city say if you want cancel loan loan, come and pay fifty million. They don't rule them out now. We it's not so <laughs> at the moment we are never in the race. So let everyone be fighting for their head. Because the truth is, for example, the FFP rules in La Liga. Because it's not just about how much money the clubs are making. The way the rules are in La Liga and the way the rules are in Premier League is so so different, and it's also favorable to how they can do transfer, do all those things. So I think. I think uh what's it called? Uh the next the main thing or the next thing is that at the end of the day, you just have to you have to hope and pray that the Saudi League they get what they want in terms of okay, building some sort of equity and then they start getting smart. Meaning they get to the point where they see that oh, they cannot just continue spending like this because they 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 want to spread across the whole league and want to competitive across the whole league. And they need, you know, they are, I saw some adverts where they are recruiting third, uh, third for their third division, their third league, and what have you. So, because the truth is, anytime someone has a bigger spending power than you, that's what you can do. Italian league has been suffering for like 10 years now. There was a time they were the ones ruling also. They don't spend their ice transfer. So, I think everything is a phase, especially if. You can't find a way to be economically compatible with them. This kind of thing will probably be what will ginger a dynamo super league because what they have is European Super League before, right? The what they will go and create is a dynamo super league. Dynamo super league where they will combine Korea, combine Saudi, combine all of them together. So I think that's what can possibly come out of something like this. So that you can increase their any potential and be able to compete with the teams. Yeah, and who knows what uh, what the um twenty twenty four club woke up might look like the expanded club won't be like a precipitator whatever dynamic super league might come. Even though if it's, even if a dynamic super league does come into 
it's going to be mostly populated by European teams because at best all those MLS Saudi leaders they always give them one team each time. But because ultimately where the commercial market is is still Europe. Uh, and so I think we should, we are moving from one like top striker to another because Mbappe is not the only saga that is going on in transforming right now. There's also Hurricane. At the start of the window, it was like, okay, maybe Man United. Now, Bayern Munich. Um, I'm bullish. Um, last week or so, Bayern Munich president came out and said, Kane has said he wants to join for us. Now, it just feels like everything is, is going is going so. And I think Tottenham are kind of the same boat with Kane that PSG are going to Bappe because do they stay now? Fourth or fifth, and free. We just collect that money now. And you use so, that squad. So for for for, I think Danny Levy is still is probably playing a game of chicken with Hurricane. He's playing. He wants to play the game of um, what's it called? I I, I I I let's see if we can get you to sign in January. But that's not. I don't think. I, I think that Daniel Levy is one of those stubborn people. Is if he's not going, he's not going to negotiate lesser than. And I don't think if Bayern wants to sign him, Bayern should not be negotiated. Bayern does not; they don't negotiate with other people for their own players. Bayern is one of those clubs also that once they have a release clause, you can you can hardly you can hardly get them to come down from their release clause. So Bayern should not be the one trying to uh, what's it called trying to eat the you know the moral ground and stuff like that. That being said. I can't be. I'm not even pitying for Hurricane because you signed the contract. It's one more, one more year left. If you can, if you, if you, if if you, if you want to go, go to PSG. They will pay the one twenty and you join them. Or if you cannot, if, you, if they cannot pay, stay and finish your contract. Go for free and you can decide and choose where you, wherever you want to go to. And you, I think he has some records that he can break this year if he stays back. So I think it's more, and it's, it's not as if it's earning like a popper. So. I think it's a win-win for him also. So, I me, mean, Hurricanes... The, the person that I was thinking was going to be able to get Hurricane was United, but there's been very low traction in terms of communication between both clubs. And Hurricane going to United will be more exciting and more interesting as a news to me because of what it entails. Hurricane's ability to create from midfield, um, join the attack from midfield, and then be a, a eligible goal-putter. You know, having someone like that alongside Rashford, then you can start to say, okay, it's like United know like they are they are serious about what they need to do because you need whatever team you are going to team that trying to compete. Alan scored 52 goals last season, and Pep Guardiola is telling us that he came back fitter and better. And the guy is just 23, meaning even the normally safe, most times 22, 23 year old players they get better. It's maybe when they get to 27, 28, that's when they, they reach their peak. So if Alan is not in, is not injured, we are expecting that he will have a better season than he had last year because he's playing one year under Guardiola's system, more understanding, more. So, if you are going to try to offset fifty-two goals from Alan, you need to buy certified players that can give you thirty-five goals. So, if Man United was one in this conversation, I would have been more interested. But Bayern should pay up. There's no way for if you pay. <laughs> yeah, right. And this, I think, this kind of nicely leads us into my United ourselves because um, we've seen 
rumors surrounding Kane. We've seen, we've heard rumors surrounding Osimhen. Now those rumors have even died now. Now it feels like he's Rasmus Hoyland from Atlanta. That's like he's like, like in. I think should like is for United and who is the striker they should go for? Because I think it's an it's definitely an area the club is lacking. Hurricane, hurricane, hurricane. I I feel it begs no question that Hurricane is a perfect fit for that for whatever it is that um um Tenag is trying to build. But I, I feel like there's there's a lot of complexity in Hurricane's deal and. I kind of can see the reason why Bayern München can be dragging their feet when it comes to that particular transfer. Yes, they can be bullying when they make their own requests and stuff like that. But at the same time, you need to understand that there has been times when Klopp have been serious about signing Hurricane. There was the time that um, the bad Spaniard was actually at the doors of Danny Levy. That you know what? I need Hurricane. Get me out again. When that deal fell through, that was when he now went for early Ireland, and we know how that went. Like, it's obvious that the owner now is telling Danny Levy that Arike must not go for free. So, you need to understand that <laughs> at this point in time, whosoever is coming for the signature of Arike has more leverage in that negotiation. And, Bullish, we are very sorry. Everybody cannot be batting me or that. Borussia Dortmund will press you on the neck and you will pay more than you plan to pay. So, <laughs> I feel like there are, there are better options for Hurricane. There's the talk in England about him wanting to break Alain Shearer's record. For me, it's a very stupid excuse. If if that is the excuse he is, he, he's coming out from his camp for the reason why he's still staying at sports, it's a very, very silly excuse. But at the same time, if he runs out his contract at sports, it kind of brings a whole lot of possibility to the table. <laughs> if if he becomes a free agent next year, I can trust that Real Madrid will come to the table of negotiation and, and be like, you know what, Arikane, we can have you and Mbappe do whatever it is you want and be the next face of the Galacticos. You can have United coming back to the table and say, you know what, now he's free. With us, you can still chase whatever stupid record it is you want to chase. Chelsea can still be there, though I feel like um, Nicholas Jackson solves a huge chunk of their problem. He is the kind of profile of striker that um, the former sports manager Pochettino likes to use. And with his game, with the, the games I've seen him play in the um, preseason, he has been very, very impressive. So, but at the same time, I think Ramos still feels into the bill of what. Eric Tenag wants to do. So, in a situation whereby if Arikane is out of the picture, Rasmus still looks like a good fit. But I would like to dispel that thought of uh, it's going to be Rasmus versus Aland competition. I don't think he's on the level of Erling Aland just yet. So, I'm, I'm beginning to see a lot of that uh, FOMO and hype coming from United fans. But I, I just feel like at this point, any clinical striker that can perform very well with his back to post and will stay fit, not what Martial has been letting us go through for the last eight years, I feel anything other than that is a very good fit. A striker that can join the play with his back to post and knows how to finish very well. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. And I even see some things around that's how maybe Kenya might not be the best fit, most tactically and long term. And it's quite honestly, I don't even know why to see to be going for a it's honestly really baffling. But before we round up, Bolly, I think we round up with Chelsea here because last season and in January transfer it felt like Chelsea bought everybody in this life. Like they just kept spending money point like I think like the unlimited money that you were that you were talking about at the start of this podcast. It felt like Chelsea had that unlimited money because they were just spending it like idiots. Spending as well. And now somehow as a point it felt like they had too many players. Now the fact that thanks to the help of Saudi and the rest, I feel like they don't have enough players because I saw their preseason against Brighton. I was like, okay, who is in the midfield? Okay, there's Fernandez and like, ah, these people have these people still have Galaga in They're not going to do anything with Galaga in midfield. Like, do you think Chelsea have enough in that squad, or like from from the last season, or do you think Bowling needs to spend money again? So I I think they will still spend, but I think. They've done a good job of clearing out some of the weeds. So I think the first thing is you 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 have some young quality in the squad. You brought in some young guys. You clear off some of the older guys, you know, in the squad. You are bringing a new coach. You are not really competing in Europe. So most of what you are doing next season is the um, league and then the cup competitions. So give, I think rather than just going out to sign the way they were signing last year, both in the January and the um, summer. I think it's better if you are, if you, okay, you are brought in a quality coach that everybody feels like, okay, this coach can take the team to the next level. So it just makes sense that you give that kind of coach ability to assess what he has and properly diagnose and say, okay, out of these guys, though, this nest, this nest, this nest. So for example, Levy, this callware guy that Bradley is trying to sign, you know, uh, Pochettino has talked about him that oh, he likes the guy, he will really like to see the guy. Out of which, for Fanado, is it for Fana that got injured? Oh, no, that, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so you Fana. need, yeah. so, so I think the smart thing for them is identify, like, for example, this Castillo guy, I think they will eventually sign him. I think, uh, they're just trying to maybe you know go back and forth, right? I think they eventually they'll get him in, but the smart thing to do is. Give uh Pochettino some time with the squad, analyze the squad. You have you have all these guys. You've you've you know sent out all, all those uh, fake academic prospects that they were tying up and now they send them out. So give Pochettino time, if possible. Hopefully you are not too far behind. Then by January you'll have identified some key targets you can bring in to bolster the squad. I think maybe in midfield, which is one of the biggest, maybe um uncertainty because of the quality there. They have some young guys that they think might do well, but they are not sure yet of their capabilities because they are unproven talents. So, in and, and it is always very important anyways. So, you need Pochettino to come in, see what you can, you know, do with that squad. See what you can, you know, can he get the best out of some of their signings that they already made, like Mudrik, and he get the best out of, you know, Kukurela in the left back. Like what kind of formation is he going to play? What kind of way the style does he play? You know the way Poch was one of people that used to play 3-4-3 in uh, Tottenham. She gets so play with those yeah. uh, fullbacks. She, she, so when you so you want to see what Poch would do, then if possible, you can even you know transfer is still six weeks away. So 
by the time you finish your precision, uh, your cup round of matches in the US, maybe you'll have made some evaluations and then say, okay, ah, one, two are the essential things that I need that I must have. Then three, four are lucky. Down the line, you can get them in. So I think this method and this approach is probably smart for them in terms of observing what they have. Let them work with the coach. Let them work with the manager. Get feedback and then see, then see what they can add to the squad. Yeah, and um, honestly, I feel like Chelsea fans should not like get too comfortable and think they were bringing in Pochettino and Premier League squad is kind of magic one for the season yet. Because a lot that's that's what is still deficient. Like a lot of that's what still feel like Billy stars, especially in the midfield. So as you said. I think they, they still have to spend, and I probably probably recognize that itself, and they will spend. The question now is, who would they go for? Like, who is still in the market? Because it feels like we are still in, like, late, we're in late July, like, late, it's still like everything has been bought up already. Like, it's probably going to be little room for more business. Like, a lot of clubs are getting to do their business. And Bright, for my final, is sense of like difference in club transfer deals. I feel like no no clubs are not going to do um deadline day madness anymore. Of I mean, of course we're going to be wrong because deadline day will come now clubs start doing the madness anyway. But do you think there's a shift that clubs want to start getting their business done very early, get through preseason, no no final minutes nonsense, no eleven fifty nine PM whatever. <laughs> no I, I I think um it's it's a good thing to see that a lot of clubs are beginning to conduct business very early in the window. But at the same time, at the same time, humans will be humans. Um, when we were back in school then, I I just had this kind of silly culture where I don't get the urge to do my assignments until they are a couple hours to submission. So it's just the same thing with the people at the end, ends of affairs where they would not remember to fax things until 30 minutes to the end of transfers. So I feel like, and especially small clubs, if you notice, the trend is, is usually swayed towards the little clubs because of lesser resources, overthinking, overscouting, and trying to over-rationalize transfers. So I feel the only thing now is a huge chunk of the transfer will not be left to the last day, but at the same time, I think it's an inevitable part of the old transfer euphoria and all of that. Yeah, it's definitely going to be It's definitely has been a fascinating one so far. And frankly, I'm quite glad that a lot of clubs are doing stuff early. But of course, as you said, the assignment, 11.15 hours to come. And people will start panicking. And obviously, we'll be here again. So I'm afraid that's what we have for tonight. In the office of our moderator, I would say we head on the fourth twelve. Um, Bullish Brides, thank you so much for joining for another episode of Transfer Talk. Of the one of Transfer Talk, and we'll in next week because in Saga and Papi Saga that in terms of there's still good stuff is going to develop uh, because we've seen stuff about players, PSG players being discontent about Mbappe, not liking like, like a lot of shit will still go down. So we we'll definitely, I will definitely be here for it. That, that's 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 it. No matter what, uh, we will be there. <laughs> cheers, guys. Uh, cheers. Cheers, everyone.